Welcome to Had to Be There, the podcast that allows you to explore the world's greatest destinations through the stories of those who have been there. Here to ignite the wanderlust within, your host and favorite travel planner, Kelly Acevedo. Hola y bienvenidos al podcast Had to Be There. Yo soy tu anfitrión, Kelly, y este es el episodio 69. That's right. Welcome back to the Had to Be There podcast. I am your host, Kelly, and this is episode 69. And in case you didn't pick up on the little hint that I dropped there, today we're traveling to Spain. But before we get there, I have so much to tell you. We're going to get to some uh, travel promos in just a minute, but I can't wait for you guys to meet my guests this week. I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to spend some time chatting with Sean Anderson for this week's episode. His stories are all super inspirational and uh, he's just an all around great guy. Can't wait for you guys to hear our conversation. I don't typically go in and edit conversations once they recorded. Uh, this week I did cut a little piece of it out and it didn't change the flow of our chat at all. But I said to Sean while we were talking that I always put a positive spin on things. And when I was listening back to it, I was like, well, that's just not true. <laughs> and I don't know when that happened in my life. But if you're a elder millennial like I am, I'm just wondering if you if you're noticing that your cynicism is starting to uh, ramp up. <laughs> so so let, let's chat. Uh, you can find me at, at had to be there 203 or shoot me an email at podcast at had to be there.net. And I can't wait to talk to you 80s babies who used to see the world through rose colored glasses and now hate everything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't hate everything. So before we get into this conversation that I've been talking and talking and talking about, let's get some news updates out of the way, shall we? Okay, 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 okay. So much news from the world. So hey, put your sound up. You know why? I think it's time for a weekly roundup. Weekly roundup. All right. Big exciting news up top out of Walt Disney World in Orlando. They just released a bunch of promos to help you save on your stay this holiday season. So if you're planning to travel for the holidays, November, December, and you want to save some money, you need to talk to your favorite Academy Travel affiliate and get your complimentary vacation quote. If you are a Disney Plus subscriber, you can save up to 35% on rooms. Florida residents can save up to 30%. And everyone else, don't worry, you can save up to 25% on rooms this holiday season. You can combine that with park tickets to make it a vacation package. These are big savings, limited availability. So you're not going to want to miss out on that. Contact me or your own travel agent today to secure your magical holiday getaway and discover how much you can save. And just one more promo to talk to you about because it comes up later on in the episode. Norwegian Cruise Lines is offering 35% off all cruises and free at sea bonus amenities and onboard credit when you book now through June 30th for travel through the end of this calendar year. Norwegian's wide variety of five to 16 day port rich Alaska itineraries is specifically curated to offer something for everyone. Discover awe-inspiring glaciers, enjoy a scenic ride on Skagway's famous White Pass Railway, Go whale watching in Icy Strait Point, zoom across the world's largest zip rider, and much more. Along the way, you'll enjoy the freedom to dine, dance, laugh, explore, and relax whenever and however you wish on board Norwegian's amazing ships. So again, if you hear us chatting about Norwegian Cruise Line's sailings to Alaska and you think that sounds pretty good to me, contact me today and take advantage of 30% off. So that's it. I told you I would keep it short and sweet, and that's what I've done. I will be back next and every week with more travel news and updates from Disney and beyond right here on the Weekly Roundup. 
This is a city where history, art, and passion collide, where architectural wonders soar and the energy is electric. A captivating destination emerges. Prepare to be swept away as you wander through the streets brimming with life, marvel at awe-inspiring landmarks, and savor the flavors of tantalizing cuisine. Lose yourself in the rhythm of this vibrant city where every moment is an adventure waiting to unfold. From hidden gems to sun-kissed beaches, ignite your senses and leave an indelible mark on your soul. This is Barcelona. Sean, welcome to the Had to Be There podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Well, isn't it kind of my lucky day to be chatting with you? I mean, this is kind of a this is kind of a momentous day for you, isn't it, Kelly? It's it's a big day in the world of Had to Be There. <laughs> I have to I have to tell all your fans and all the <laughs> listeners that today is Kelly's birthday. How awesome is that? Yay! Right? <laughs> Yay! Happy birthday. I love my birthday. I've been telling everybody all day it's my birthday. (laughs) Yeah. So I I have been aware of this date on the calendar for a long time. And it's not first that it's marked podcast. It's first marked it's Kelly's birthday, who I'm doing podcast with. (laughs) I love it. All the brownie points for you, Sean. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. (laughs) So before we jump into our conversation, why don't you uh, tell us a little about you? Well, I, I build myself as a pretty ordinary guy, except with one, one distinction. I, I truly am passionate about living an extraordinary life. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, ever since the age of 10, when I first started selling worms to fishermen. And I've, I've, I've signed my, my own check my entire life. Uh, the, the biggest business I ever built was I built a college in Los Angeles, small school, maybe 100 plus employees, about 750 students. Uh, I've, I've written seven books. I've been lucky to hit number one on Amazon and self-help and motivation a couple times. Uh, I've created a day in America called Extra Mile Day. It's November 1st and uh, started in 2009. In that very first year, 23 mayors in America clapped for and recognized those going the extra mile in volunteerism and service to make the world a better place. Extra Mile Day has continued every year since then, last year, November 1st, 2022, there weren't 23 cities that participated. There were 512 cities. So my whole idea is we get one life, live it passionately and purposefully. And I try to do that every single day. Oh, that's incredible. I love everything that you're doing. That's incredible. So gratitude for that. And and one thing I left out is my new great passion is walking across countries. I mean, that's what this show is all about. It's about travel. (laughs) And I've been lucky enough now to to visit perhaps 60 countries, but I've walked across eight of them. And my ninth country, I'll be walking across August 2nd. I'm leaving to walk across Scotland. It's a shorter walk, only 135 miles, but it's the greatest way I've ever found to see (laughs) countries is, is in soaking in a culture is when you walk across it. Yeah, that's amazing. We are definitely going to talk about that because I have all the questions. Um, (laughs) Do you remember growing up, did you have the opportunity to travel much? I didn't. I was really a late bloomer. You know, Mm. um, I really didn't, besides, besides maybe a trip to Mexico and hitting the West Coast states, it's it's all my family really, really did. And it wasn't until it wasn't probably until my late 30s that I started exploring just a little bit more. And then in my 40s, things just started taking off. So really, all the countries that I've hit, which the number's increasing, have really just been these last 20 years. And, mm. uh, you know, now now I, I mark international travel into my world two or three times a year for sure. And each of those adventures hopefully takes me to a couple or more countries at a time. Amazing. That's, I mean... That's kind of the dream, right? Well, you know, 
we it's a miracle that we live on this amazing blue earth and this marble in space and so many people get attached to that their address is the street that they live on on the house that they walk into in and out every day but really our address is is the earth and mm. and and I want to visit as many spots on this on this great blue marble as I possibly can before my time expires because every time that I keep stretching myself and go to a new country and meet new people and, and my my world expands what I my appreciation for life expands. My compassion grows. My sensitivity for other people grow. My vision for myself grows. My passion and purpose for living grows. The, the earth feeds us the more that we travel. And I, I'm so happy that there's podcasts like this that encourage people to travel because I think if people really want to take themselves to the next level, they've got to take their passport to the next level. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And it's never too late to start. I love it. I it's not, it. especially with, especially with cruising, for example, older people might think, well, it's too late for me to go do these adventures by myself. But man, I'll tell you what, you get on that. If you fly to an airport somewhere in the world, the cruise ship's going to have a taxi there, pick you up, take you to the ship, and they're going to be able to guide you all around. Is they make it so much easier to see the world now with cruising for older people. So yes. anybody that's got fear that doesn't want to go do that, that doesn't want to stay in the hotel, that just wants their luggage and baggage in one place, man, how about cruising to see the world? That's an amazing thing too. Absolutely. I personally just went on my very first cruise ever, and it was life-changing. <laughs> Where did you go? So we just did a Disney cruise to the Bahamas. Mm. So it was like a short three night cruise. Cause I didn't know if I was going to get sick, if I was going to be bored, you know? Um, and on the side, I, I'm a travel agent and I specialize in Disney travel. So I was like, I should probably do one of these, one of these days, you know. Oh, how cool. Um, it must have been so much fun too, the whole Disney theme on the cruise It really ship, was. Right? And just like the the standard that Disney sets for themselves. I mean, it, it was the best trip. It was We were so relaxed, but there was always something to do. Uh, and just like you said, like it just... We would have never gone to the Bahamas. Like, you know, we're. Yeah. And the food was probably excellent, right? Oh, my and, God. And you were safe food. and taken care of the whole time. And I mean, come on. First off, who doesn't like someone making your bed every day? And if I you're know. lucky, they might. If you're lucky, they might put a, a, a towel animal at the end of yeah. it when you come back to your room. Right. 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 And, and this food, these choices. And if you really like something, you don't have to worry about how much it costs on the menu. You just say, oh, I'll have that again, please. I mean, it's yeah. just a, it's an amazing way. Actually, I just came back from an 11 day cruise eight days ago. I, I just Ooh. went to Alaska. And, and back and which is an amazing state and that's a whole nother story some other time but if anyone <laughs> wants to go to my favorite state in the world that's alaska because there's nothing like it it's amazing sean let me ask you uh what cruise line did you take to alaska <laughs> i took ncl it okay. was a, it was a norwegian ship to alaska this time okay my parents are going on an alaskan cruise um at the end of the summer and they're uh, sailing Royal Caribbean. Okay. Okay. I'm very, my, Royal's good. Royal's good. Yeah. My mom is a nervous wreck. <laughs> so anytime I hear people talking about like taking a cruise to Alaska, I'm like, how was it? Who did you sail? <laughs> yeah. The only thing she needs to worry, cause I've, I've taken two cruises to Alaska and this is just it. This is just sincerely the, the truth. The Alaskan waters going up there, depending on the time of year, the first couple nights can get just a little rocky, but you don't have mm -hmm. to worry because every cruise ship has seasickness pills that work. So you might get a little topsy-turvy, but just have her take a seasick pill early on and then she'll get used to it. And then everything will be amazing after that. Nice. I'm going to let her know. If yeah, she has a new problem, she's going to call and yell at you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, she's going to see, I'll tell you what, I just saw some of the most amazing things. When we were going to see the glacier, you're traveling through the, the water and these chunks of ice are floating down at you and you're looking out the windows and you're going, oh my gosh, this is just, this is just so outrageous and cool. And then if you go, if you see a wild bear or if you see eagles flying or if you see whales jumping, I mean, there's just things to see in Alaska that remind you of how pure and amazing the earth must have been at one time because that is still yeah. Alaska. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I can't wait to tell her. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> so where did you grow up? 
I grew up in a little state that's a sister to California, just to the right, called Nevada, in a city called Reno, which there was a big sign across the the gambling Main Street in Reno when I grew up, the biggest little city in the world. And I remember as a kid, as a kid, I thought, oh my gosh, I am so lucky that I live in the biggest little city (laughs) in the world, right? I thought Reno was this celebrity city that the whole world knew. And little did I know when I grew up that people go, uh, Reno? (laughs) (laughs) That's very funny. Yeah. Do you remember, I know that you started doing your big traveling later in life, but do you remember a specific trip that really, uh, that's when the travel bug bit you? Like that was the one. Well, I, I, I remember, I remember a specific moment where how I travel really changed my world. So, so I'm a writer and people oftentimes will send me their books to write a foreword or to, to give a comment about their book before it goes out to press. And so this one guy sent me a book and it was called A Million Steps. And he said, hey, take a read, see if you like it, write a comment so I can use it for marketing. So I read this book, A Million Steps, and it was about this guy walking this, this route, the Camino de Santiago across Spain. And as I'm reading this book, I started to go, OMG, I, I shouldn't be reading this. I should be walking this. And it was literally <laughs> 90 days later after I finished reading A Million Steps that I was in St. Jean, France, walking across the Pyrenees Mountains into Spain. And that was how I started changing everything about how I travel. That first year, I believe it was 2000 and what was it? 2000 when I first walked across country, 2014, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And so since 2014, that's when I've now walked across eight countries. That one moment really sparked how I see the world differently. That's incredible. I love it. And today you're taking us to Spain, not to the Camino, uh, but you had another experience in Spain. Mm. So tell me first. Oh my gosh, you want to talk about that one, do you? Okay, so, <laughs> so oh, oh, it ties in nicely because this was a cruise. Okay, so this was a transatlantic <laughs> cruise that was starting in Barcelona Ooh. and it was coming back to across the Atlantic to America. So, so here I am in Barcelona. I had flown in there early visited Barcelona, which is an amazing city. If, and they've got this street called Las Ramblas, which is a perfect combination of old and new and old history and new stuff. And so the day of the cruise, I'm, I'm walking from my hotel down Las Ramblas. And gosh, I'm a, an experienced enough and smart enough traveler that I know that you should never put everything together while I'm talking your wallet, your passport, your money. But sure. I thought I was going to make it easy for myself this day. So I, I put this in a backpack, my passport, my credit cards, my wallet, everything. So I'm walking down Las Ramblas to the cruise ship, okay? I'm getting excited to go across the Atlantic. I get bumped by somebody on Las Ramblas. No big deal. We say hi, gradual conversation, blah, 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 blah. I get down to the cruise terminal. I take my backpack off to get the passport and stuff so I can get on the cruise ship. The zipper is undone. Not only is the zipper undone, the red pack that is in this zipper that carries my passport, my money, my credit cards, my phone, my everything is gone. It oh. is gone. Desperately, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, th- I think it might have been, I can't remember the cruise line at that time. I'm, I'm thinking it might have been Norwegian again, NCL. And I'm thinking, you guys, what do I do? They tried yeah. their best to help me, but there was little they could do. They right. drove me back into town to the police station to file a report. In Barcelona police station, there was no one that spoke English there. They had to bring in a translator. It was already late in the day because the cruise ship, I had stayed down there using the phones and I could, all that I could trying to get some help from America to get money sent to me or whatever called American Express because American Express says, you know, whenever you run into trouble internationally, I always call us. Well, Mm -hmm. American Express couldn't do anything for me because guess what I didn't have? I no longer had a photo ID. So American Express couldn't send me anything because I had nothing, right? So that, so finally at the end of the day, the cruise line drove me to the police station. I waited two hours for somebody to come down to speak English as I filed this police report. I asked the person because again, I had no, I had, and I had nothing. I basically asked, you know, if, 
if there if there was a church that I could stay in, that they could drive me to church and and there wasn't. So that. And the next day, the consulate, the, the, first off, there's no embassy in Barcelona for American embassy. There's only a consulate. And yeah. it wasn't until Monday, the next day, that the, that the consulate was even going to be open. Oh, my God. So, yeah, welcome. Welcome to, welcome to the streets of Barcelona, right? Oof. The next day, I was able to, to get some, to, to pretty much beg for money, catch a train, Make it up to the American consulate, this big, this big secure building that has, you know, basically had like machine gun guys in front of it and stuff. And you have to go oh, through God. all these little things because it's so safe. And, yeah. and I went in and arrangements had been made in America to, to, to get sworn back in as a citizen and proof of who I was. And they had a photo ID coming back to me about what I was supposed to look like. And I literally raised my right hand and repeated to keep America safe and blah, blah, blah was, and was given some money. I then wow. had literally, oh, fiddlesticks, maybe 14 hours to catch a high speed train to, I think it was called, I think it's, uh, it was Magla, Spain, because the Spain, the, the, the ship was going to hit one more port in Spain before it came off. I literally made the, that city a half hour before the ship left and was able to catch my, catch my ship back to America. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I love traveling as much as I do. You've got to be prepared for, for stuff happening. Yeah. I mean, I've now had my wallet stolen in Rio. I had a taxi cab driver dump me halfway in the country of Jordan at Petra. Uh, I, in Portugal, when I was walking on across Portugal, I had a prepaid room. And when I arrived at the, at the place that it was supposed to be at eight o'clock, I found out that the, that there was no, really, there was no building even there. So, you know, (gasps) when you travel, there's always going to be a little bit of stress. And so you always have to have like a plan B and that's just what I, you know, tell people when they travel, things will happen, but don't make that, make, don't make that the reason you don't travel. Oh my gosh. So did you have the opportunity before all this happened uh, to really enjoy Barcelona or do you feel like this tainted your trip a little bit? Man, you know what? I always think that if anything taints your trip too much, it's because you're thinking about it the wrong way. I think Mm -hmm. Barcelona is one of the greatest, coolest, most amazing cities in the world. And really look at, I look at that as being my fault. I had all that stuff in the wrong place. And, you know, when, when human nature gets tempted, human nature is often going to make, you know, they're going to, you're going to run into bad people. It had nothing sure. to do with Barcelona, but it, now, now it's just great material to talk about on a podcast or great <laughs> material to have lived. And I'll tell you what, when life sometimes challenges you and you survive the moment, it just makes you bigger. It, it, it yeah. stretches your comfort zone. It gives you security that, that there's nothing that life can throw at you that you cannot handle. And so that's how I look at Barcelona. I feel, I feel lucky to survive the event in the moment. <laughs> and I know now that wherever I am in the world, look at, if I can survive being in a foreign country without a passport, I can get through anything. Yes. I we love look, it. We have, we have a choice. We can either be positive about the situation or negative. You tell me what being negative about the situation is going to do for me. The Had to Be There podcast is brought to you by Vacations by Kelly, where your host becomes your travel agent. As a proud affiliate of Academy Travel, Kelly specializes in Disney destinations and can help with all non-Disney excursions worldwide as well. When you book with Kelly, you're getting much more than a travel agent. You're getting a personalized concierge-level travel partner. And the best part? Her services are completely free. It's true. So when you're ready to make your next travel dream a reality, Vacations by Kelly is ready to make it happen. Visit hadtobethere.net slash vacations to get started. So was the Barcelona trip or the Camino trip your first visit to Spain? No, I had been to Spain a few times before. I think I've been lucky enough to have visited Barcelona maybe four or five times in my life. I wow. love Barcelona. I, I just love Barcelona. I think Barcelona is one of the great cities in the world. Mm-hmm. It's 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 one of the one thousand great cities in the world because every city I'm at becomes my favorite city at that time. I just go, oh my god, <laughs> I'm so lucky to be here. This is amazing. This is yeah. fantastic, right? 
I mean, when you soak in the culture and you breathe in the food and you take in everything around you, you just go, mm. whoa, I'm in Barcelona right now. This is so cool, right? Yeah. I love it. So I want to talk a little about your uh, experiences walking across countries uh, because this for someone like me who hates walking, like I don't hike, <laughs> mm -hmm. don't ask me if I want to go for a walk. I don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so I know that you were first, you know, your interest was first peaked by the Camino de Santiago, yeah. which we are familiar with on the podcast because we spoke with somebody way back when uh, who had done this. Um, and she had done uh, both the path from France and the path from Portugal. Mm -hmm. So you did like the the typical, I feel like, is the one from France, right? Well, I've done a lot of Caminos now. I've done, I've, I've, fiddlesticks i've done the i've done the portuguese which is france i've done the primitiva which is northern spain i've done the francais which is from saint jean de finisterre i've done oh fiddlesticks what are, i've done le puy which is across the camino de la puy which is across france but wow. the very first one i did was the, the the most popular one it's called the camino de francais and they're all the Camino de Santiago because all the routes, they lead to Santiago, Spain. It doesn't matter where you're starting from France, right. from Portugal, from wherever. They're all leading to Spain. So the Camino de Santiago is a number of different routes. Mm -hmm. So this very first one, I was on the Camino de Frances. And there's a small story with that. And I share just the beginning of it, how I was prompted to do it after having read that book, A Million Steps. So... So those the the first the first few days I'm just walking that thing hard because adrenaline's pushing me and I feel good and my feet are good and I'm carrying a I'm literally carrying a book backpack not even a real backpack and so I don't even know how to walk this thing right <laughs> and so I'm, I I go down this some of these mountains and I'm just moving down them too fast and there's a little muscle in beside your in between your ankle and your and your foot that can get stretched too much. And mm -hmm. literally around day five or six, I couldn't even walk. I was limping so badly because of this, this, this injury. And not only that, but going down hills, my toes kept jamming into my shoes. And I was, I, I started to, to get toenails that turned purple, massive mm -hmm. blisters and toenails that were starting to fall off. So here I am, I'm literally around day number nine and I am a hurting, wounded puppy. And I'm walking into this very small town, desperately thinking, WTF, why am I doing this? I'm in pain. I'm in agony. And when you're hurting so bad, sometimes it's hard to get your attitude in the right place because you're suffering. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking into this little small town and up ahead, I see this woman sitting in a chair in front of the small store. And she's looking at me and she's staring at me because I am literally limping, not on one foot, but I'm limping on both feet. If you've ever seen someone limp on both feet, it's probably quite the sight. Aww. She all of a sudden stands up and she starts running off the little deck where her chair is. She's pointing at me and she's yelling in Spanish. Well, I don't speak Spanish and she didn't speak English, but I knew quite well that she was not happy with me. And I know some <laughs> of the words were rather choice. I thought by her tone, I better listen. And she pointed to a curb and she told me to, she basically was pointing and telling me to sit down. Mm. She ran back into what evidently was her small store. This was her store. And she came back with a brown bag. She sat down on the ground. She was still yelling words to me in Spanish, but she started to take off my shoes for me. And then I knew what she wanted and I was taking them off and we took my socks off and then she just saw my feet and she just started really getting mad at me. And she, <laughs> she, she opened up the brown bag and after she wiped my feet, I mean, it was almost like a religious moment here. Yeah. She wrapped women's feminine <laughs> napkins around my feet and taped them on my feet to cushion my feet so I could walk. Hey, I wasn't arguing with her because the cushion, the softness felt so good. I'm sure. I, I stood up and I go, OMG, 
I, I, my feet, my feet felt so better, man. I gave that woman a giant hug and she, I literally probably had a tear in my face because I had never felt such unconditional kindness. She not only helped me succeed in finishing that walk because now my feet had cushions, right? I was walking an inch higher because I, of these pads and that I was wearing in my shoes, I just climbed an inch. But, but at the same time, I survived until my feet could really heal and I could heal them with Vaselines and other things. Well, because I succeeded on that first trip, now I'm heading for my ninth walking across oh my the country. Right? I love that. Yep. Welcome. Welcome to the Camino de Santiago in Spain. <laughs> so when you're preparing to take one of these strolls across the country, <laughs> okay. how do you prep for that? Like physically, mentally, how do you pick which country you're going to do or routes and all that? Well, it's interesting stroll. So my longest stroll I've ever taken is Shikoku, Japan. It was 750 miles. It took me 48 days. Wow. Yeah. And my general rule is this, is when I enter a country, I don't take it. There's no car. There's no bus. There's no other way that I'm getting across to my destination except with my sneakers. Wow. And so that's kind of my general rule. How do I prepare? Well, now because I'm, because I'm older and I want to make sure that that I'm eliminating as many problems as I can. I train and I walk all the time with weight on my back so that mm. I know that when I go into a country, the one thing I'm not going to worry about now is, um, is the backpack too heavy? Is the weight too much? I'm not going to have to worry about that because I'm used to it all the time. Mm-hmm. The second thing I just really do now is I just I just carry so much foot protection stuff and immediately upon feeling anything going on in my feet, man, I am taping those dudes up as fast as I can. Because if you don't have your feet walking across the country, you're pretty much not going to be able to walk right, across the country, right. right? Yeah. So so you know, that's all the prep I do, but but literally when I'm when I'm prepping for a longer walk, I I would say that I'm safely, I'm safely probably just getting about 40 miles in a week walking as training mm-hmm. because the, the, the fastest, the fastest I've ever walked a country is, is 550 miles in 27 days, which is an average of 20 and a half miles a day. Wow. The most miles I've ever covered in one single day. And that's just been a little bit out of desperation because I, I didn't have a bed lined up was just over 40 miles walking in one day. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but those are days that I hope I don't have to live again because those are days that I'm not sure I could quite make 40 miles. But you right. know what? <laughs> the, the human spirit, when the human spirit is pushed to overcome a challenge, we, we, we can find a way. If, yeah. if we let ourselves, we will find a way. Absolutely. Which, so you told me that the uh, walk across Japan was the longest, but which has had the most obstacles? Well, certainly I think Japan, because when you're walking 750 miles, I mean, <laughs> Some of the, sometimes the rain was just horrendous when you're walking through mm. like a jungle and there's rain and and I remember there were some days that I was so cold and so wet that it was really really tough. But you know what? No, my I think the biggest optic, obstacle was the one that I just did last year. It was called the Primitivo. It was across it was across northern Spain and the Primitivo, just like the word translates to primitive it was walking up and down mountains of tree lines where i saw no people there were there were there were there were no people and i got caught in this one really bad storm walking up the mountain and i remember the fog grew so thick i was literally the clouds were so low that i could not even see very far in front of me and it was raining so hard and it was so so cold I found at the very top of this mountain, I mean, I was just dripping wet. My feet were sinking in the mud and I, I was starting to get a little nervous about this. Yeah. And I remember getting to the very top of this one particular mountain and I found this, this like fire shed up there. 
and I I knew to go into that fire shed and there was no, there was no door, but it was enclosure. And I went into that and I literally stripped naked to get out of these wet clothes and try to get some dry clothes and go back down the hill. And I got so lucky that not only did the dry clothes rejuvenate my spirit, the weather started to change as I went down the hill, but Mm -hmm. that was probably the toughest moment I've ever had. Wow. How about, (sighs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So when are we going? When are we doing one? Does it sound like now you're ready to go girl who doesn't walk? Right. (laughs) You're not making the argument you think you are. (laughs) No, I know. I I sense that you're not walking. You're running out of this podcast right now. No. (laughs) You're running out of the podcast. No, no. (laughs) It's like nightmare fuel. Kelly, um, Kelly, so much for me being insp- an inspirational guy. I just like de-inspired <laughs> you to ever walk again. Now, now you're going to pack foot care if you walk to your mailbox. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> which walk ha- has been the easiest? Like, which was like a walk in the park? You oh, do it again. Sticks. <laughs> Fiddlesticks. You know. I would love to do Japan again, only because of the adventure. The adventure really was very life changing for me. I mean, there's nothing, there's, there was nothing more inspiring to my spirit. I remember this one particular day. Okay. So first off, let me say Shikoku, the Shikoku walk is, is the, it's marked by 88 Buddhist temples. So you go from one Buddhist temple to another around the Island and the 88 of them, are 750 miles going one-to-one, okay? Some of the temples are hundreds and hundreds of years old. So mm. you're walking through the jungle, you're going, oh, oh my God, I think I'm lost. I, I don't even know, I, am I going the right direction? Is this right? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you hear this chanting and you go, wow. oh my God, that's the most beautiful music I've ever heard. And you come up and you keep following the chant and you know now you're back on the trail. You follow the chant through the jungle and you start seeing these really primitive Japanese pieces of art as you're coming into the temple. And then you see the monks, they're chanting right there. And you just, you forget that you're tired. You forget that your feet hurt and you just feel like this is the greatest moment I've ever lived in my entire life. And so that kind of experience drives me even at age 60 to potentially do Shikoku again next year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Right. (laughs) And so when you, when you also hike Shikoku, you're known as a Henro. So there's a uniform that you wear. It's like this white jacket. And what's so unbelievable is even though Shikoku, Japan, which is the third largest island in Japan, there's not a lot of English spoken there. So for 48 days, I didn't speak English to much to people, but I've never felt so much kindness in my life from people that on Shikoku, because they recognize you as a Henro. And this is a very spiritual thing for them when you hike and visit their temple. So when I start to come into small towns, these people would start coming up to me. And in Japanese, they would extend their hand and give me gifts. There were multiple times that I finished the end of the day and I would go check into a place and find out someone had already paid for my room. People would come up and they would give me the equivalent of $50 in yen. A woman who you could tell was a hotel worker who had no money would give me her brown bag lunch that she had packed for herself because they all want to participate in your pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. They're just want to, they, they're just showing such kindness. Every day of 48 days, I would be given a gift two or three times a day. That's so sweet. I love hearing stories like that. That's incredible. Because what it does to someone who's, who's feels a little isolated and is pushing themselves the best they can do. It recharges the battery. Yeah. The people were recharging my battery every day because when you get filled with gratitude and kindness, your heart feels that. And then that makes all your sores and your bruises go away. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So Scotland is up next, right? August 2nd, I fly to Scotland and I walk across that country. And that's going to be number nine. 
Yeah, but you know, I did something two times before I even started walking across the country, which which made me start to love these big, these big adventures. See, now I call these big adventures my axe sharpening trips because they help me sharpen my passion and my purpose. Think of an axe. Think of a lumberjack bringing an axe down again and again and again on a piece of wood. The more that he throws that axe at the wood, the the, the more dull the axe becomes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, as we live life, going through the pushes of life, we start to become duller too. We lose our passion. We lose our purpose. We lose our intention. We yes. become duller because life dulls us. So that's why I do these trips now because they become my axe sharpening adventures. Are you with me? Yeah, so absolutely. Before, before I started walking, I pedaled a bike across the United States, ocean to ocean, twice. So wow. that's where I first learned the power of axe sharpening, that when you put yourself out there and you put yourself into a place that you're pushing yourself past your comfort zone physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, that by the time you finish, if you make it through, you become sharper. Yes. I love it. Great analogy. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and I'm not even a bicyclist. The first time that I did it, I bought the bike literally a few days before I started my adventure. But I knew (laughs) that I was gifted with strong legs and a strong will. And, uh, and ever since then I've been trying to demonstrate it and I hope that at age 80, I still am. And that's my goal. My goal is to be on your podcast when I turn 80 and telling you I'm walking across Costa Rica. Okay. Yes. I can't wait. I'm going to put it in my calendar right now. <laughs> and by then you're going to have traveled to over 50 countries and yes. you're, you're going to be going, Sean, I just visited Alaska for the first time. And I'm glad you told me about the seasickness pills because I had right. to take them. <laughs> I love it. Is there anything currently still at the top of your travel bucket list that you just haven't crossed off yet? I haven't been to Russia. I think that would be interesting. And I know right now it's a, it's a really iffy time to go to Russia. Right. But when I traveled to Egypt, it was also an iffy, iffy time to go to Egypt. But I tell you what, when you ride a camel out to the great pyramids, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, I I think I think that if we if we are just safe when we travel, we can do we can travel places. I, I haven't I haven't been to Iraq or Iran, and I pray to goodness that someday that those will still be options that will be safe for me to go to because because so much of the world's history started in those two countries. I'd like to go see it. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, man, there's so many addresses that I haven't been to. And just because I've been to a country, there's still a million spots within that country that I haven't seen, right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So so talk to me a little bit about Extra Mile Day. How did this come to be? What drove you to lead this charge? Well, going the extra mile has kind of been my mantra my whole life. I mean, it's how I've created positive change for me. Being an entrepreneur, it's how I just learned to survive because if I just did the, the, the average, the basic, I could never have paid for my way through life. So going the extra mile is only, the only way I knew to create, to, to make the dreams that I wanted to happen, happen. Mm-hmm. And since then, I, everything I do is Extra Mile. I have a book called Extra Mile America, Stories of Inspiration, Possibility, and Purpose. I have a blog on Thursday. This particular Thursday is the 590th blog. It's called Extra Mile Thursday. Wow. The, it, when I first pedaled across the country the second time, it was called the Extra Mile America Tour, reminding people that if they wanted to create positive change, you had to do more. You had to go the extra mile. Mm-hmm. And in a Forrest Gump sort of way, that's what I did. I, I pedaled the bike the extra mile, but the real power of the tour was in the 21 cities that we went through. We had events with the mayors in those cities and where we interviewed over 200 people who had been identified wow. as going the extra mile. At the end of that tour, I gave away $10,000 of my own money to the stories yeah. most inspiring to me. 
But as I was pedaling through the state of Nevada, trying to brainstorm how to get the media's attention more for Extra Mile America, I came up with this concept called Extra Mile Day, where the mayors would recognize those going the extra mile in volunteerism in their city. Mm. In November 1st, 2009, 23 cities made the declaration. November 1st, Mm -hmm. 2022, five. 112 cities did it. If you go to this website, extramileamerica.org, you will see a list of every one of those cities in each of the states that did something special for Extra Mile Day last year and clapping for their Extra Mile heroes. That's incredible. I love that you're doing that. That's just, it's so important. And I'm glad that you're encouraging people to not just go the extra mile in their own life, but take a look around their community and how can you go the extra mile there? Um, I love it that we need more of that today. Well, I think we live in a time when so many people are just kind of, they're really angry at the news and they're angry yeah. about what's happening around them. And yeah. they're, they're looking at everybody else to, 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 to be the change that they want. Mm-hmm. And I really think when we take that mantra serious, be the change that you seek, when we start throwing ourselves out there in a in an extra mile way in volunteering, we feel better about ourselves and we do something good. People say, "Well, I don't know what to volunteer in." Well, what's your passion? What do you love? Mm-hmm. Do you love animals? Of course, I love animals. Well, how about volunteering at a, an animal adoption on weekends, or go volunteer at the at the at the local shelter? People mm-hmm. say, "Well, you know, I I really like." you know, supporting old, old people, elderly. I said, well, Mm -hmm. how about volunteering to read a book to them on a certain day of the week? There's so many things we can do. We're only limited in life by how we limit ourselves. And volunteering is certainly that. I love that. I love that you talk about finding what you're passionate about and making that your, you know, your pathway into volunteerism for, um, like 20 years, I volunteered with the local elementary school to help run their after school drama program. <laughs> wow. And it, I mean, until the school, ch- you know, changed their structure and they weren't a K through five school anymore. Um, but I did that from the time I was in middle school all the way through college <laughs> See, and, <laughs> into and this adulthood. Is where- that's where the power of, of when we throw ourselves into the universe and volunteer, things mm-hmm. happen. You think about every one of those little kids mm-hmm. who you touch that you gave the opportunity to participate in drama, how much confidence they developed. And maybe yeah. they didn't go into theater later in life, but that's not what it was about. Maybe right. yes, to grow an appreciation for theater, but, but, but growing in confidence, Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you did that. You help people find their confidence by finding your own. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. I feel so seen. (laughs) Yeah, because don't we live in a world sometimes where we don't see people? Yes. (laughs) And and, and we feel like nobody sees us. Right. Right. And I think I think what going the extra mile is about, it's about it's about looking first to see people rather than looking first to be seen. And I think Mm. if we live with a heart that says, I see you, rather than constantly going out and, hey, do you see me on social media? Do you see where I ate lunch today? Do you see see what my sweet boyfriend, husband did for me today? (laughs) You know, we live too much in a world like that where it's see me, see me, see me. And I think that true happiness and health is about, I see you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what travel has really helped to bring this full circle. Travel has helped me become an ICU person because when you go into another country, it's not about, it's not about them seeing you. Mm. It's about you seeing them and learning how to appreciate them. Yeah. In 2017, I created a speaking tour in the Philippines. Over that period of time, in 30 days that I was there speaking two to three times a day, I had almost 20,000 Filipinos come to hear me. But the value of the tour wasn't in that they heard me. It was about that I got to become immersed in living 
with them and to feel the softness of the culture and the kindness and the great compassion for it doesn't matter where we are in life. It doesn't matter how much wealth we have that we can contribute mightily, no matter where we are, what we're doing. And, and, and that's the gift the Philippines gave me. Wow. Powerful stuff, man. Sean, you have been a delight. Thank you for sharing my birthday with me. (laughs) Where can we find you? What are you up to now? We want to connect. How can we do so? Hey, people can connect with me on the HTBT podcast, right? (laughs) I mean, come on, man. Kelly and Sean together. I just (laughs) hope that people, if you listen to this podcast today, support, continue to support Kelly and tell all your friends to listen to it. And if you want to tell them to listen to an episode, tell them to listen to the HTBT one with Kelly and Sean Anderson, right? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But, but my website is seananderson.com. And if I have Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. And if Kelly and I have ignited any passion today in our conversation that you go, Ooh, I like that. Go sign up for my weekly blog. It's free. And every week it's my goal to push you or pull you up your own mountain in life. I tell stories and tie them into little lessons and do my best to leave footprints in this world that make a difference with others. I love it. I will include links in the episode show notes. I hope that you will come back again and again and share more stories with us, Sean. Well, I appreciate your energy. I appreciate your vision for starting a podcast. I appreciate your courage and following through. I appreciate really your resilience today in this particular podcast because maybe your (laughs) editing skills will be so superior that people won't know that (laughs) Kelly and I had a hiatus for about seven minutes where we went off the air, but she stayed cool, calm, and collected just like a superhero does. Thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words. The door's always open. You're welcome back anytime, my friend. HTBT podcast, my fave. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to show your support is to rate or review us on whatever platform you're listening. And if this episode left you feeling like you just had to be there, reach out to Kelly to start planning an adventure of your own. Don't forget to follow us at had to be there 203 on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And visit our website, www.hadtobethere.net. Until next time, get out there and make your own had-to-be-there memories.